Chris. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there, everyone. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Our show is brought to you in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager for Island Savings, and Carrie Smith, home inspector from Inspectech. If you need an opinion from experts in insurance, mortgages, or building inspections, Denise, Carrie, and Carrie are perfect people to talk with. Just visit the CFAX 1070 website, look under Shows. There you'll find us, the whole home show with me, Tony Joe, and their contact information is all there. Or you can always reach out to me, find me online or on social media or anywhere online. I'd be happy to connect you. My background as your host for the next hour is that I'm a born and raised Victorian. I've been selling homes here for 27 years. I've seen over 2,500 transactions locally, so I've I've basically been in every situation you can imagine. Call me if you need a seasoned professional for your real estate needs. You can, again, contact me either through the CFAX website or our own website, which is www.primeteam.ca. We are the prime real estate team. The BC Legislature will be back in session on October the 1st, and there are several items related to home ownership which will be discussed. Items like the speculation tax, which will have an impact not only on investors and homeowners, but yes, they can affect you as well. There will be implications on the home building industry and the real estate industry. So to to discuss these today, our guests are Casey Edge, Executive, Executive Director from the Victoria Residential Builders Association, also the association's president, Todd Haliberta, plus the president of the Victoria Real Estate Board, Kyle Kerr. We're going to start our show with our weekly listener question. If you have a question or curiosity about real estate, give us a call on our hotline. The number is 250-414-6540. That's 250-414-6540. Or find us online at cfax1070.com and we'll discuss it on the air. Had an email, actually this was from a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I thought that it would be appropriate to uh, uh, to air it today because we're talking about uh, new home construction. Uh, the email is from Harold uh, and it reads, Hi Tony, we haven't found a house that suits our specific needs and sense we should build. What are the drawbacks to building versus renovation? Thanks for your question, Harold. This is something that we do bump into on a regular basis. I suppose it really depends on what your specific needs are. It's a question that comes our way often. Um, so in deference to our, our guest today talking about uh, new home construction, obviously it's a great way to do it because then you get what you want. I'll, I'll talk about the pros later, but let's start off with the cons right now. So the hardest thing really to your plan about building is to find a piece of land because, uh, let's face it, there's not a lot of available land in Victoria. It really depends on where you want to be as well. Uh, you think about it, our region here, uh, geographically, we're bound by ocean on three sides, plus we have a mountain on the fourth side, which is the Malahat. There is not a lot of expanse or growth. We talk all the time about uh, prairie cities like Calgary or Edmonton. You know, when the city grows, they just open up the city boundaries and boom, there's more land. Well, you can't do that here in Victoria. It's one of the reasons why Victoria's really become a vertical town. You see there's a lot more high-rises coming up. Uh, it is much more dense. There's a lot more people coming into Victoria than going out of Victoria, combined with the fact that most of the areas are established. You think about Victoria, Fairfield, James Bay, Saanich. Uh, you think about all of the areas within the core 
uh, uh, part of Greater Victoria, there are no new building lots. The best you could do maybe is a um, uh, what they call an infill. So perhaps a lot that's been subdivided off of an older existing house. So that's your first question, and that is, do you want to be the new house on a street of older houses? Now, there are some areas where that's okay. You look at places like Oak Bay or Fairfield. There tends to be a really good mix of old and new, um, but it is something to consider. Uh, there are, there is vacant land. There are developments if you're willing to go to the West Shore. That is our growth area. So, of course, Langford, uh, Colwood, um, there's a lot of de development happening out that way. Uh, for some people, uh, it, it might not be the area that they want to be in, um, but that is where all of the new stuff is. Uh, bear in mind there, of course, um, something that uh, people often ask us about is, uh, is um, resale. And how will they do on resale? When you think about the West Shore, there's still another 10 or 15 years of build out there. And depending on your plans, if your plan is to build something new and maybe live in it for two or three or five years, and when it comes time to resell, you will be competing with other new inventory because there's going to be new things that are popping up there at that point in time, five years, seven years. There's so many things to consider. But going back to uh, the pros of building new, well, sure, you'll get exactly what you want. You get to design what you want. You've got specific needs. Put it in there. Uh, and that is uh, the, the best thing about building yourself. There are um, – you'll have some concerns about timing and about the length of time it may take for you to get your – building permit, uh, the amount of time it may take for your contractor, your general contractor, uh, to get all the trades lined up. But then again, that's the reason why you have a general contractor and uh, somebody who, uh, who takes care of things for you. Um, the cost is also the other thing because it is often thought that building a house might be cheaper than buying an existing house. And I have to say here in Greater Victoria, uh, that that's unlikely because of the cost of land. You think about a piece of land itself right now in Victoria, it's hard to find anything worthwhile for $600,000. You know, that in addition to that, you've got to have the cost of the build of the new home and the development cost and the carrying cost. It can be very, very expensive. So many things to consider, Harold, and thank you very much for your message. And for everyone else, if you have a question that you'd like us to cover on our show, uh, you can always email me direct. It's tony at primeteam.ca, tony at primeteam.ca. And to hear past shows, so if you've missed uh, part of the show already or you need to know our phone numbers or contact information, you can always find us on our podcasts on iTunes or Google Play. Be happy to uh, um, hear your questions. So we're talking today about the general world of building and construction in Greater Victoria. And before our break, I'd like to introduce uh, our first guest, who is Casey Edge. Casey is the Executive Director for the Victoria Residential Builders Association. Casey, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Casey, uh, tell our listeners about the um, Victoria Residential Builders Association. What, what, what is the organization's mandate? Well, our mandate is uh, to promote professionalism, housing affordability, education and training, uh, these are the things that are important uh, for consumers, consumer protection. Uh, we review the building code uh, for uh, practicality, proven practice, uh, affordability, all of those things. We have about 200 members. Uh, over 100 are builders uh, in, in uh, Greater Victoria. 
Yeah, it's great because in in my time, I've seen uh, so many prominent builders uh, take the, the the chair of president. We'll be talking to Todd sure. uh, a little bit later, but uh, it's great to see uh, people in the in the industry uh, move forward and and uh, uh, spend time on this because it is important. It um, there were days before when there was very little controls or 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 um, uh, regulation in place, and people were just building homes that were not necessarily good. Well, it's a complicated industry, and, and you really need an, organiza- an organization like ours to review various um, aspects of it, whether it's building regulations, uh, housing policy from the B.C. government. There are three levels of government now that impact housing, uh, municipalities, the province, of which we have several. federal. Yes. So exactly. So uh, and they're all trying to get money out of the uh, uh, the uh, revenue has become a big uh, housing has become a big target for revenue by uh, governments. And so uh, we're there uh, to keep an eye on all of that, uh, to speak out uh, when it's uh, when necessary. And we think also that it's really important for consumers and the media to be aware of how the housing industry works. A better educated consumer will uh, deliver, frankly, more uh, affordable housing. Yeah, how important. And we're going to talk about this after the break because uh, your association has had a very strong message about some of these things that are going on uh, right now. Yes, we uh, as, have. As far as affordability is concerned. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking, uh, continuing our conversation with Casey Edge. Casey is the executive director of the Victoria Residential Builders Association. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Hi there. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. With me right now is Casey Edge. Casey is the executive director of Victoria Residential Builders Association. Thanks again for coming, Casey. Pleasure to be here. I, I want to. There's so many things to talk about, but I want to touch really briefly on the BC Step Code. This is something that um, maybe some people don't fully uh, understand. Could you give us a quick little overview of, of what that is? Sure. Uh, the Step Code is uh, increases energy efficiency in homes, and um, what it what it is. It's a provincial code, but it's not. Uh, they they pass these five levels of increased energy efficiency from one to five. And they enabled 160 municipalities in, in British Columbia to cherry pick the the level of energy efficiency they want to implement. Part of the problem with that uh, is, first of all, municipalities don't have the expertise to identify uh, a building code standard. Um, the other thing is, it also undermines your provincial building code standard. Mm-hmm. So we've already gone down this road before in terms of leaky condo. Uh, I'll give you two other examples of uh, energy efficiency uh, fast tracking that uh, went sideways. Um, asbestos, so uh, zonalite in people's uh, homes as insulation. We've talked about that here before. I mean, it's a product that was widely used and it was acceptable. And And subsidized by CMHC. Uh CMHC had a subsidy program that put zonalite into people's homes. That's why we've been saying the federal government has now an obligation to help people remove it because it costs thousands of dollars to deal with the asbestos in people's homes. The other issue was urea formaldehyde, another energy efficiency initiative that went sideways. So we're very strong on do your diligence, have a proper building code. If you're going to increase energy efficiency, do it based on proven practice, affordability, and do it as a standard throughout the province. Don't undermine your own building code standard. Well, you know, you touched on something just a second ago, and that's the leaky condo thing, because this is another question that, con- that consumers bring up is, how was that allowed? Well, there was a lack of real, real uh, diligence and research. So yeah. water's around us all the time. As a vapor, as a water, and uh, sorry, vapor, a liquid, and, and, and a solid. So it's how you manage your um, 
the water that's around us. So home construction, energy efficient home construction is a combination of physics, air barrier, vapor barrier, and carpentry. It's not simple carpentry anymore. So <clears throat> education, mandatory education and training for extremely energy efficient homes should, should, should take place. There's no mandatory education and training for these different levels, these different tier levels. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> the other issue we have with it is that the, the government came in with uh, an estimate of $17,450 to build a tier five home. An Basically a passive home. Additional yeah. over, over a code home, $17,450. Okay. That's not credible. So... Uh, well, you're we did, saying it, it, it's more than that? Much more. Okay. So, so we did a survey of our builders, and the estimates came in a bare minimum of about $56,000 to $110,000 in this market count on the higher side. Yeah. So we, we think average about $80,000. So what happened is the B.C. government lowballed the numbers in order to achieve their, um, their step code. The problem being also is the step code is not how you address climate change. The way you address climate change is deal with 150,000 homes that are not energy efficient in our community mm -hmm. that have anywhere from 10 to 40 air changes per hour. The step code reduces air changes from three to two or one. It saves one or two air changes per hour. Okay. Majority of, of your GHGs, your greenhouse gases, are coming from the majority of older homes. You can, you can reduce their uh, air changes from 40 down to five. Mm -hmm. so, so, so what you're saying is instead of focusing on the new, on, on the, the, the new construction, um, uh, maybe more attention needs to be spent on the, the older homes. A renovation tax, a retrofit tax credit yeah. uh, would be a way to do it. Um, the reason that they focus on new home construction is it doesn't cost them anything. Uh, and, and they shift the $80,000 cost over to the mortgages of new home buyers in the most expensive market in Canada. Okay, so we, we should make this clear, though, because, you know, you had just mentioned uh, $50,000, $80,000 in extra cost. It's an extra cost to the builders and developers, right? But ultimately, To the homeowner. Ultimately, yeah, it's the homeowner, right? Because yeah. that's the end user. Goes on their mortgage. Yeah. So, you know, as an example, so they say, for instance... Uh, the difference between a built green home, which is what a lot of our members build, and, and they're very affordable, mm -hmm. costs about $800 annually to heat. This step uh, code five home costs about $200 uh, annually to heat. That's a $600 difference. So uh, let's say $60,000 to build a tier five or something. Sorry, home. let's do the math again there. You said six. 600, uh, so a saving of $600 yeah. between uh, a new affordable home versus a tier five step code home. Got it, got it. $600 difference. So let's say it costs $60,000 over a basic code home uh, to build the tier five step code home. $600 annual savings. It would take a while to save that. 100 years. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So add $40,000 amortization over 25 years yeah. to the 60000 Yeah. So that's $100,000. That would take 165 years to pay off. Interesting. So this isn't rocket science. It's very clear to us. Uh, the people who actually build homes for a living say, this makes no sense at all. Reduce your air changes from 40 to 5 or 3 mm -hmm. instead of shifting the cost of, of energy efficiency onto solely new home buyers, uh, saving one or two air changes at a cost of $80,000. But this is what we call political greenwashing. Well, so so it's important for, for people to know that, because you just said, sp speak to the builders, speak to the people who know. That's your organization. Right. Right? I mean, right. this is, you're the voice of the of, of, of the builders out there. 
Uh, they're the ones who 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 estimate these things, who do the costing, who um, uh, you know put these things together. They really know. Sure, they know. Yeah, but what they know may not fit with the government's agenda. Oh, okay. It's politics. Housing in British Columbia is politics. It's revenue. So the BC government makes more than $2 billion a year off a of property transfer tax. You know, there was a time when it was just $1 billion. Right. <laughs> yes. So, so uh, that's more revenue yeah. than they get from mining, energy, forestry, crown land tenures, and natural gas. Mm-hmm. It's good business. Uh, not for the consumer. Yeah. They're the ones paying. It's on their mortgages. Well, you know, moving moving on, not not meaning to shift off of that, because that's a really important point, um, talking about the speculation tax, because um, the Victoria Residential Builders Association has has been very vocal about this. And I'm reading right now uh, on your website the um, uh, basically this report, and one of the things that is cited is the fact that, um, and I'll just read it here, zoning regulations, development charges, limits on housing development, um, will cost home buyers in Victoria two hundred and sixty four thousand dollars. Right. Yeah, I've seen this. And, and How, this is CD Howe Institute. Yeah, CD Howe Institute did a report uh, about a month ago. Yeah. And uh, calculated that the average new home in Greater Victoria pays about two hundred and sixty four thousand dollars in regulatory costs and fees. So the cost of the people say, well, why are co- why are why is housing so expensive in 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 uh, in well, region. it's because it's all these foreigners coming in and driving prices up, right? Well, you know, that is the <laughs> great political myth that 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 is uh, uh, flogged by the politicians in order to, uh, frankly, use housing as a revenue and a political tool. The reality is we have an enormous number of consumers in the marketplace, baby boomers, baby busters, and now millennials, representing uh, 64%. It's the highest percentage uh, ever in the Canadian housing market. And we haven't even talked about Generation Z, which is 25 and younger. Yeah. So we're talking an enormous number of, of people in the housing market. And what did the government, and, and this was predictable in David Foote's book, Boom Bust Echo. Oh, yeah. He predicted this yeah. was going to happen. The government, they've got researchers, they read all this stuff, but what did they do? They did the exact worst thing you can do uh, with that uh, demographic. They created. Uh, they created regional green belts, urban containment zones, no regional planning, and left it up to 13 different mun- uh, municipalities to decide where the housing should go. Mm-hmm. That's one of the, they, they, they choked housing with the regional green belts and then left it up to small communities to decide what to do about it. Wow. You know, Boom Bust Echo, that's, when you think about it, that's been around for a long time. Over 20 years. Yeah. and uh, So yeah. we knew it was coming. Yeah. We just maybe weren't paying attention. But what's the easiest thing to do for the government? Oh, it's foreign buyers. Uh, Cameron Muir from BC Real Estate Association was on CFAX last week. He said, you could do what you want with vacancy taxes. It, it does, it's not going to make any difference because it's the demographics that's driving demand. And anything you do along these other lines, like speculation tax and all the rest, the numbers are too small to make any difference. Yeah. How true. Uh, Casey, uh, we're going to take a break in just a moment here, but if people need to reach your organization, how do they do that? Uh, VRBA.ca. VRBA.ca. And if you want to vote on for the People's Choice Care Awards, uh, uh, careawards.ca. The Care Awards, really fun. We'll get back to that, actually, when we come back from our break. Perfect. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Now, The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. 
Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. Just as a reminder, if you have a real estate-related question you'd like me to discuss on air, give me a call or email me at tony at primeteam.ca. Our show is brought to you in part by Denise Webster, mortgage broker with Dominion Lending Services Modern Mortgage Group, Carrie Augustini, insurance manager for Island Savings, and Carrie Smith, home inspector from Inspectech. If you need opinions on insurance mortgages or building inspection, they are great people to chat with. Today we're talking about things like the BC Step Code and speculation tax. Uh, we had with us just a moment ago Casey Edge, who's the executive director for the Victoria Residential Builders Association. And right now we have on the phone the president of the Victoria Residential Builders Association, Todd Halliburton. Todd, thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, so uh, just to pick up where Casey and I were talking about just a moment ago, we were chatting about, um, uh, first of all, the step code and um, speculation tax a little bit. We'll talk more about that a little later. But one of the uh, common threads in the conversation here seems to be all these added costs that are going on to new construction that ultimately end up getting passed down to the consumer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, Go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, what are your thoughts and feelings about this? I mean, uh, we, we uh, Casey gave us some uh, great background there. I mean, I was reading here about how a new home has about $264,000 worth of additional costs and everything. Uh, I mean, you're a builder as well. I mean, how, how do you how do you see this? Well, yeah, there's, there's no doubt the, um, uh, the, the, the new code that are being implemented is, is having a, a huge effect on, on costs. Um, um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, with a little bit of smarter approach on things and, 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 and you know, having our attention uh, uh, on different, you know, on different areas, we, we can maybe control these costs a little bit. And, and, um, and um, you know, like you said, the, the end result is the, 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 the end user is the one who's paying the penalty when it's all said and done. Well, you know, I mean, it comes up often where where consumers will say, "Oh, you know, it's those it's those builders, it's the uh, developers. They're making all the money," um, without realizing that there's a lot of extra costs here that that the builders are not. Uh, I mean, it's it's really the levels of government that are um, that are receiving this money, right? Uh, absolutely, and you know, when we're we're we just follow what gets said in place, and sometimes these, uh, um, uh, you know, these these new laws, these new codes get set in place with maybe maybe a lack of uh, of, of the education um, that may be required. Act, uh, you know, having the right expertise guiding, and, and maybe having having um, affordability as part of the the uh, part of the uh, solution too, and and. You know, being very specific of what, you know, how we, uh, um, you know, go about things. It's, uh, um, I think sometimes all these, these uh, in, the, in the bureaucratic process, they, you know, they're making decisions based on maybe things that uh, they don't know a lot about. You know? Okay. So, so here's a question for both of you, both you and Casey, who is also here right now. You know, affordability comes up in conversation all the time. The, the first question is always, what is affordability, right? What is affordable? I mean, does that mean somebody is hoping that they're going to be able to uh, have a new home for $300,000? I mean, if that's the case, we got to get our time machine and go back in time probably around uh, 20 years now, right? Uh, well, well take, take the average income yeah. of, uh, of the people in your region. 
right. So uh, the, the average income, about $40,000 per person, $80,000 for a family. Household, yeah. uh, what's a reasonable down payment? You're going to find that an affordable home, therefore, based on the income of the, of the average person in your region, is probably going to be around $400,000. Okay. So what would it take for, for you as a, uh, Todd, as a builder, or uh, Casey as, as an association, or what would it take to produce a $400,000 home? Well, well for, uh, deal with the land. Yeah. He's, uh, Todd's got to have an affordable piece of property to build on. Yeah. Yeah, it starts. It def- definitely starts with the land, and I and I guess um, you know living in Victoria, that is probably one of our biggest challenges is, is the the lack of or, or um, um, you finding know, that um, piece of land. Well, yeah, and, and and the municipalities make it very difficult maybe to to develop and and to push development through, which I guess pumps up the price of a lot of you know, the properties that that are that we do see on the market and. Um, you know, I guess it all comes down to supply and bringing down bringing down the prices affordability. If we could, if we could, you know, increase density and 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 have a, a program where we can get uh, um, um, you know things approved and, and developments approved quicker. I I, I think that would make a huge difference. Huge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Here's an example of a, a property in uh, in Saanich. 1963 Saanich home, price is $880,000. 16,000 square foot lot is worth $775,000, and the house is worth $112,000 based on the BC um, assessment authority. So we were building 100 years ago, we were building on 2,000 square foot lots in James Bay. Now we've got these large lots with these older homes sitting on them that we can't rezone for density. Uh huh. Yeah, a lack of creativity there, right? Uh, completely. I mean, it, the affordability component really starts with the land. Mm-hmm. And then don't start uh, bringing in uh, building codes with, uh, you know, negligible benefit like the step code. Uh, you know, let the, let the bil- uh, require reasonable building codes. Stop taking GST, property transfer tax, fees, amenities, and all the rest. Uh, a developer in town said... Uh, just the Victor- city of Victoria process costs him $85,000 per unit. In the city of Victoria. Right. So it's a to different build. story elsewhere at Langford. or Well, right. Langford's, uh, they're, they're actually the, the, the ideal environment in which to build. Uh, you have a two-day building permit in Langford. You have a six- to eight-week building permit in Saanich. Um, and really, the only difference between those municipalities is culture. We're talking about just different municipal cultures that need to be uh, where the, the municipal cultures in other municipalities tend to be more obstructive and more expensive. Yeah, we actually, I had Mayor Stu Young here on air uh, a few months ago. And very interesting talking about uh, uh, how, how they operate. The 48-hour uh, uh, turnaround time was, was something else. Yeah, I, I, I do most of my building in the last five years. majority of my building has been Langford. And, um, you know, I hear stories of other builders and other municipalities, their, their wait times for approvals and... and uh, I, I got to say, I, I do have it really good to be building in Langford because it is you. You if you have all your ducks in a row and, and your um, you know all your paperwork's in order. They they the approval process is fantastic, and I you know and it just helps with the efficiencies of the builds. It helps with uh, you know if I'm dealing with a client, we can get get on the projects, and it's just 
you know, time time is uh, working in our favor. But despite all that, Todd's have had projects cancelled due to the speculation tax. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say yeah. talk about that? Yeah, recently, um, you know, just just after the speculation tax was was implemented, um, um, I mean, firsthand, I, I was dealing with a, a client from Alberta, and um, uh, of course, this becomes a, a major concern. And you know, they they talk with their tax lawyers about uh, you know how it implement you know the implications on them, and you know. They, it's they. They're elsewhere. They're going. They they decided not to to come to BC at this time, and they're going to go and um, who knows uh, when they they relook at it. And uh, it's unfortunate because um, I tell you that these are people that are coming in. They're they're you know they're using all our services, restaurants, and and, and, and they're living here. They come here for whether it's uh, two weeks out of the month or a week out of the month, or they spend their summers here. You're, you are losing those people. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it's sad. I mean, we've had clients like that as well, too. And, they, you know, you think about it. They have money. They can go where they want. Okay. And, and um, in an environment, you know, our clients felt that BC is just being very unfriendly right now. So why not go to California? Why not go to another place, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I totally agree. The, low, the lowest housing prices in Canada are in New Brunswick at about $180,000 average price of a home. Yeah. Why is the, why is the house price so low? It's because the young people are all leaving that province. Um, the uh, the bottom line is you can have l- low housing prices are often a reflection of your economy. Their economy is not strong, so if you undermine your economy with bad government policy, be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. We may have low, but even if you have a low housing price, you still need a job. Yeah. to pay for that yeah, house. No kidding. That's a great yeah. point, Casey. Actually, you know, now is the time for a break. That is a fantastic point. Uh, Todd, uh, thank you very much for coming uh, on the air with us here. Todd, again, is the uh, president of the Victoria Residential Builders Association. Uh, thanks for joining us, Todd. My, my pleasure. Thank you, Tony. Great. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Whole Home Show with Tony Joe on CFAX 1070. Thanks for coming back. You're listening to The Whole Home Show, and I'm Tony Joe. We're talking today about the effects of speculation tax and uh, other requirements that are imposed on builders and developers that are causing property values to increase. Uh, we're, here, we're here with Casey Edge, the executive director of the Victoria Residential Builders Association we had on uh, the telephone just a moment ago, Todd Halliburta, who is the president of the association. And right now in the studio, we have with us uh, Kyle Kerr, who is the president of the Victoria Real Estate Board. Kyle is also, uh, we work together on our team, the prime real estate team, um, but doing a great job as president. Thanks for coming, Kyle. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Tony. Um, so you've been here overhearing our conversation here so far. This is this is an important thing. I mean, affordability is a, a very common theme, not just in the real estate realm and world here in Greater Victoria, but in also so many other things as well, too. Um, tell us about what's happening. Tell the listeners about what's happening out there right now in the real estate market. Well, we're uh, just actually about to release our our August stats. And so sales for August uh, year over year will be about 19% behind where they were last year. But uh, we do have to remember we're coming off two big banner years in real estate for Victoria. So, uh, you know, we were expecting us to start moving towards more of a balanced market. And I think that's where we're heading. Uh, Of course, as we're talking about different government policy, uh, a lot of the headwinds this year that have gone onto the market have come from government. Uh, Probably the biggest one has been the stress test, uh, which we've talked about in previous episodes. So that 
that, uh, you know, qualifying people at an interest rate higher than they're being offered to make sure they'll qualify if, if interest rates continue to trend up. So that reduced the purchasing power by about 20% of most people. Uh, and in a more expensive market like Victoria, then that definitely has an effect. But well, well, actually, before we move on from that, though, I have to say, I think many people had hoped that they, that, that process would have caused the market to drop or would have made things a lot worse than they have. It actually hasn't made that much of an impact. No, and I think uh, Casey touched on it greatly, uh, which is we have a strong local economy here in Victoria. Uh, employment, we're almost at full employment in BC in general. Uh, Victoria's uh, economy is diversifying. We've got tech, we've got education, we've, you know, the baby boomers, the baby busters. But I think it's the millennials now that are really starting to drive this market as well as they get into that age group of, of making home purchases. So I think the local economy is strong and in most of the BC cities. Um, so again, demand is going to stay strong even with some of these policies. Yeah. Casey, you left off or we left off just before the commercial, uh, just for our break, you made a great statement talking about the Maritimes and about affordable property values. Uh, yeah, it's really important to have a strong economy. If, if you want housing affordability, uh, you still need a strong economy. So people have jobs. You can have low housing prices. People need to remember, especially the politicians, need to remember that in uh, 2013, we had the third lowest single-family housing starts in 40 years in Greater Victoria. Yeah. People forget this. The, the it short, wasn't that long ago. wasn't that long no. ago. We, the guys were building just to put food on the table, just to employ their trades. People, uh, builders w- were w- moved, Without knowing that their product would sell. Right. Absolutely. Um, So people uh, short memories. And and that's my concern with politicians, frankly, Um, short memories. So it it wouldn't take much for us to end up going back there. Um, And uh, um, and the same thing I can say for uh, irresponsible housing prices like uh, housing uh, regulations like step code, Um, unattended consequences. I'll give you an example. Uh, North Shore municipalities implemented Tier 3. They call it a step code, but it's not incremental. You can implement Tier 3 if you want. So they went right into Tier 3. Well, it just turns out that their region is, it turns out from an SFU scientist, their their region is high risk for um, uh, radon. Oh, yeah. And there's no mandatory venting for those homes. So when you tighten up your home and you don't have mandatory appropriate venting for radon, it's a perfect storm for lung cancer. So what you have is municipalities who are unqualified, implementing the step code, not understanding the radon risk in their own municipalities. Who's going to pay for that? Wow. Wow. Now, I'll, I'll throw one more thing at you. Why did they allow 160 municipalities to implement the step code? Because it's not the BC government's building code anymore. So if there's unattended consequences, uh, such as leaky condo, it's not the BC government's step code, it's Saanich's step code. Yeah. It's Victoria's step code. Well, and code. that's the thing, nobody took responsibility on the whole leaky condo thing. That's the problem. Yeah. If you're going to have, if you're going to have a, a provincial building code, then maintain it, enforce it, and be responsible for you, it. You know, I had never thought about this before coming into the studio today to talk to you about this, but when you think about it, the, the, the leaky condo syndrome that occurred. People like me who actually lived in a condo that was a leaker, so I had to go through the whole process and I lived through having a building that was wrapped and everything. Um, it was terrible. And and uh, like you said a moment ago, memories are short because um, there's a lot of people who went through that and and, and we, all, we all were thinking, well, how did this happen? Like I thought this was what the government was here for, is to, is to protect us consumers from things like this. And it was okay. 
Well, if the municipal zonalite uh, formaldehyde, you know, all of those things, right? Well, we do our research, and uh, and before there's any changes, we have a hard look uh, at, at at what the changes are and and history and all the rest of it. Um, keep in mind, the municipality of Delta, uh, a, a Supreme Court judge awarded three million dollars against the uh, municipality of Delta for not appropriate diligence during the leaky condo situation. Mm-hmm. But, so Van- but municip- Vancouver was protected though, right? Uh, well, uh, Vancouver's under a charter. Okay. So they actually don't even fall under necessarily the provincial building code because they're a charter. They're very different. Uh, the yeah. city of Vancouver is very different from other municipalities. But at the end of the day, um, municipalities have to, and the, and the taxpayers, the residents of these municipalities have to be very aware that they can be held liable. It has happened in the past. Right now, the only municipality that's passed step code is Victoria. And, uh, and, and I've seen the information on which they base that decision. I'm shaking my head. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, if you take the numbers away, if you take the, the dollars away, the step code and what is, what is like the whole passive house plan and everything, I mean, there's, is it not a good plan? Well... It's not a good plan when you undermine your own building code. The most that's been done for energy efficiency, first of all, if, if you're concerned about climate change, deal with the leaky houses, right? The older homes. The newer homes are are, are pretty good. And uh, so, but at the end of the day, let me ask you this. If I had $80,000 to spend on a passive home, or $80,000... Extra. Extra, yes. right? That's extra, a nice car today. Extra, yeah. yeah. Uh, to... to to spend on solar panels, which would I choose? I might choose the solar panels because if I already have a reasonably energy efficient new home, like three air changes per hour, do I need to knock it down to one? Maybe I'll get the solar panels because if you have, uh, if your energy source comes from uh, sustainable energy like the sun, does it matter if your house has one air change or three air changes per hour? Well, you know, there's a whole other side to that too that Kyle can chime on here as well, and that is on the resale, right? So sometimes I think when people are spending all this money on on things in a house that can't be seen, there you know it, it's it's hard to justify the value, right? Correct. Yeah. Right now, when we're doing an evaluation on a home, it, it's hard for us to quantify an exact value when someone says their house is more energy efficient than another. Mm-hmm. Things like solar panels and some of those bigger infrastructure mechanical systems, I think we can we can add more value onto them. But it's not something when someone comes to me for the most part is I really need to have an energy efficient home. It's more about location, amenities, square footage, where are the bedrooms located. You know, those types of things are more important. I think all of us ideologically want a more sustainable market. We're, we're concerned about climate change. But I think associations like ourselves and VRBA, the reason why we're here is to work with the government and provide that you know industry-level experience to say, we have concerns about this when it comes to tax policies, to building code changes. That's why we have a, a member associations is to try to hopefully help the, the government realize that, hey, you know these things happened 20 years ago and here's where the problems were. Yeah. Now... You know, both of you have been talking about working with the government. And I, I, hopefully I'm not opening a can of worms with this next yeah. question here. But um, I, it, it seems to me, I mean, we're talking about leaky condos, which was the 90s, right, with mid-90s. Um, I mean, it, it, it feels like there hasn't been a lot of collaboration between the government and organizations like the real estate organization and the uh, builders. I mean, is, is that wrong? Am I am I incorrect there? Well, no. I, we meet regularly with the government, and I feel we've you know our 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 board and our associations always have good relationships with government. Um, 
And I think sometimes they do come to us and seek advice, but I think, you know, every party is going to have their own mandates. Um, every government is going to have their own priorities and what they want to implement. So sometimes we do feel maybe that they aren't listening enough, but I think we always continue to have open dialogue with all of the different levels of government. And we hope to show them that, hey, we are the people on the ground who are doing these things. We have more experience on this specific matter. And we, and we do hope that they will listen to us. But again, every government has their own priorities. And, and so we try to work with them as best as possible. In my... You know, I did work for government for some time. <laughs> yes. In, in yeah. my view, uh, governments have political agendas. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I will say that um, the builders are the ones that build and sell homes for a living. That's their expertise. In my view, um, their opinions are not uh, accommodated nearly enough. Uh, the, the policies are being generated by um, bureaucrats with virtually no expertise building and selling homes for a living and then we've got political agendas at work how can we squeeze every dollar we can out of a new home you know this this whole figure of two hundred sixty four thousand dollars uh added cost to a home i mean that is just it's unbelievable i i would agree and i think uh, there was another ubc professor who came out with very similar data and information as well and and those these are one of the type of topics that we do bring forward to government um, as you said, you know, there is, you know, foreign buyer tax now and, and most of the policies that come in are demand side. But if we don't honestly all work together and looking at the supply side stuff, like adding so many costs onto Casey's members construction costs, I think those are those things that, like you said, the average consumer doesn't know. But I really liked Casey's comment on, you know, an educated consumer. And that's what we're working towards as well is, you know, more of this information needs to be out there that the cost of housing to get it to market is a lot more expensive than I think people realize. Um, and we need to realize how to be more efficient with the, the land that we do have. Here's an example of how they get that $264,000. Property transfer tax, one example. Yeah. So, a uh, builder or a, a developer buys land off off a land uh, owner. Pay tax pays on property that. transfer tax. Um, subdivides into lots, and builder buys a lot off the developer. Property transfer tax is paid. Builder builds a home, sells it to a consumer. Property transfer tax is paid a third time. Three property transfer taxes all going into the development from a development uh, of a single home, and who's paying for it at the end of it? The cost of the production of any manufactured product is is ends up. Uh, paid for by the consumer, but we will we, we listen to politicians often say no. It's being paid by the developer. Developer isn't paying for anything. The consumer's paying. It's for not it. a charity. It, no, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So uh, it, it's a myth, and uh, we need to educate the consumers to let them know what's really happening out there. You know, and when we look at the cost of a lot, a building a lot. I mean, you just said three changes, right? Um, of at least ten thousand dollars in property transfer tax alone. I mean, that's. 30-plus, you know, the new construction and everything. That's a lot of money. 35 years ago, property transfer tax did not exist. The GST did not exist. What's been happening over the past 30 years is three levels of government have decided that housing is a fabulous cash machine for them, and they're going to squeeze every dollar they can out of it. And that ends up on people's mortgages. It's no wonder. we. How could we not choke housing with regional green belts, treat housing as a cash machine, and not have a housing affordability crisis? Yeah, and here we are. And here we are. Right. Casey, uh, people need to reach the association. How do they do that? VRBA.ca. VRBA.ca. And Kyle? Uh, VREB.org or direct at 250-385-7766. And both organizations put out great uh, information, so your websites have uh, tons of uh, resources and data and everything. Thanks, both of you, for coming, and uh, President Todd as well, too. It's, it's, a, it's, a lot, it's a lot of conversation.
there's just so much going through this. But that's why I, we have an association. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but you know, I'm telling two hundred sixty-four thousand dollars. You could do a lot with that. Well, that the taxes alone are more than the average price of a home in New Brunswick. Imagine that. We'll leave with that. Thanks for coming, guys. Thank and you. for our listeners, we'll be here for you this time next week.